0: Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy podcast. I'm Erin.
1: And I'm Erica.
0: And today we have a special edition of, well, I guess our version of the speech from the throne. We're really going to talk about the speech from the throne from the liberals that happened last week. And we obviously share our thoughts as to what's missing and our skepticism. Maybe some optimism, maybe some optimism. From where? I just want to keep the, I just want to, I just don't want to close the door. On optimism? Yeah.
1: You know, I don't, I don't know where it is though.
0: I'm just saying. I've never met this
1: optimism you speak of in Canadian politics.
0: (laughs) Listen, it's a lot of cynicism, but I just want to, you know what? Keep the door open ajar.
1: All right. <laughs> the wind will blow it shut, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god.
0: <laughs> uh, but first, Erica, how are you? Any any housekeeping things you want to share about things you've written or media you've done?
1: So I was, I did. I'm like regularly on Toronto radio now on Global News Toronto. And so I was on there Monday talking about that kid, that Kenosha kid. And uh, I was on today talking about the NDP because I wrote a piece in the Hill Times asking why the NDP exists. Because mm-hmm. if you've been listening to this podcast, I feel like I channeled David in that whole piece. Mm-hmm. Um, big group
0: text vibes for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Big group text vibes. So. I, I think that piece was just born out of frustration of not having a real viable progressive party. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their lack of ambition and the fact that I can't trust Jugmeet Singh to stand up for the rights of racialized people in this country, considering how he joined white supremacy and patriarchy in bullying Sachi um, Curl. Curl. Uh, at the debate Mm. for asking the question that should have been that he should have been asking, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't, would you start doing shit like that, throwing people under the bus like that for white supremacy? I'm done with you. Mm.
0: Yeah. And I I think that, well, one, I'm just going to joke that maybe why does the NDP exist is the existential question of Canadian politics.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And two, you talked about Jegmeat not standing up for people of color and women and other marginalized or vulnerable populations. Or and, climate, coming
1: to or, think of it. Well,
0: and, and that's exactly what I was getting to is that, like, we don't actually even know the values the party is a stolen, right? And, like, they're supposed to be the most progressive, and yet they're still trying to hang up with ways by playing to or liberals and progressives, and it's just not working. And so, but there's no- No, they're liberal light. There's no critical discussion that I'm aware of within the party and being like, uh, maybe we should reevaluate uh, why we exist and our why we were created in the first place and get back to Agreed. our roots.
1: Agreed. That's what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know. So let me get this straight. They in 2019, they they got roughly the same amount of seats in 2021 than they did in 2019 with more money and a leader who's better known. Mm -hmm. So they've accomplished nothing. Mm -hmm. And then they want to turn around and talk about how they're not in it for electability. And I'm just like, then what the fuck are you here for? Listen, I'm not saying that they have to be a complete major I I just think in this third party status that they have when they have the balance of power Mm -hmm. in parliament I don't think it's been used well yes and I think they've gotten a couple of things maybe but it really hasn't been used well and they have power now and they don't know how to use their power Mm -hmm. and that bothers me that bothers me a lot because they'll get played and then they'll blur and then they'll blame the liberals because they don't know the game
0: yeah and if if you view yourself as continually being a party that's going to hold the balance of power. You know what? Great, amazing. But then you actually have to have views that are significantly different than the parties who will hold power so that you can push them on those things. If you think about the Green Party, for example, like, don't get me wrong, they're in a disaster, but they have been there to advance the conversation on climate change and on green issues. And they've done that. And because of them, we are, have a more progressive, okay, uh, climate policy than we would have otherwise. You know, they're very yeah. clear as to why they exist and what their goals are. And they're happy to push that. And they're happy to make that con- that part of the conversation. And that's amazing. But the NDP is not doing that. They're not driving the conversation. They're not driving the policy discussions. They're just, I I picture like a meme where there's like, Someone holding on the back of a bumper of a car, just like trying to like drag on. Actually, wasn't that their bus? Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I follow Stephen Taylor on Twitter, who is, um, I think he's he's some conservative operative, but his Twitter is hilarious. Okay, and he posted it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he tweeted it. And I remember. I was just like, and it it literally looked like jag me holding on to the back of the bus. Yeah. And I'm like, did nobody look at this? Like, (laughs) It was a joke, much like their campaign. Yeah, they do not. They also don't support their racialized um, candidates properly. Mm -hmm. I've seen that from the inside. They hang them out to dry. Yeah, there is no party support. It's 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 a bunch of young white dudes running around trying to fix campaigns and shit. There's no support. There's no ground game. There's nothing. So the reason the NDP really don't get elected is their own internal processes and structure. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with their infrastructure and their processes and their et cetera.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not, not necessarily the, the viewpoints.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The, they had more money that ran a shitty campaign.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They ran a shitty campaign with their wealth tax. Okay, so how much revenue is that going to bring in? Mm-hmm. approximately give me a ballpark i didn't yes. hear anything like that and that's why i'm saying it looked like a, what are the mechanisms? are you going to change and we talked about this are you going to change the tax code if you are then how what are the mechanisms we got nothing that's why it sounded like a university protest flyer <laughs> yeah you know that's the thing it's like show up like adults and show us some
0: respect because mm-hmm. that's disrespectful in my opinion absolutely And uh, for whoever's listening, our services are for hire. Anyway, for me, I had a piece in the Vancouver Tech Journal about a Vancouver based startup called Padia. And it is a gaming platform and actually a feminist gaming platform that is built with women and allies in mind. And then, of course, just a reminder every month we do host Twitter spaces, those are announced on the podcast, they're announced in our newsletter, they're announced on Twitter, Instagram. So make sure you are adequately signed up for all of those things or following us on all of those platforms that you don't miss those discussions because we do then, you know, call back to them on the podcast. We're just really multi-platform integration here. (laughs) We really
1: are. Yeah. Because we're not normals
0: explain to people what the normals are Erin? A quote-unquote normal is someone who is not usually not on Twitter almost never on Twitter and almost never following the the day-to-day machinations of literally anything yeah Twitter and Instagram basically the only streaming platform they like service they use is Netflix they couldn't be bothered with Crave or Amazon Prime
1: The only platform they're on is LinkedIn
0: (laughs) or Facebook (laughs)
1: or Facebook. Yeah, Yeah. that's it.
0: Yeah. And
1: Facebook is like, like your grandmother's there. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They have cable and 50 foot, 50 inch TVs. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? In the basement. That's what I fit here. They think think Emily in
0: Paris is good TV. You know, those types of people.
1: Ouch. Ouch. I don't know. It was the pandemic, okay? I was watching a lot of shit. It's really ramping back up. (laughs) It's wrap. Look at what Christmas is going to do. We're going to get screwed. All these people who are like, we're going back to the office. This is going to be a hybrid model. I'm like, you sure about that? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I hear all these managers talking big and fat about about, oh, well, team cohesion needs the office. No, it don't. Because guess what? Your team's not cohesive. They all hate each other, okay? Mm -hmm. They wouldn't hang out. They don't give a fuck about each other. And they sure as hell don't want to go to Shirley's Potluck. Mm -hmm. So team cohesion is overrated in corporate and institutional settings. But I do believe it's important in your smaller, smaller places. Yeah. But why do you need to be friends? I've never understood this. You don't need to. Why do you need to be friends with your coworkers? No, no, no. You're there to get
0: a job done. Yeah, you're there to get along. You don't have to be friends. You can get along. We
1: don't need parties, and team cohesion and shit. I got friends.
0: They ain't them. In fact, I probably don't even. I don't even need more friends. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's also the thing is like when your workplace starts saying that you're family, that's what that's a red flag. You know, there's a fuck out. There's a meme going around. It's be like, oh, blah, blah, blah is a red flag. And then a bunch of red flags. Yeah. Having your boss or whatever your CEO say it's a family. Get the fuck out because that means that they are going to take advantage of you.
1: Yes, they will. They will encroach on your time.
0: They will expect you you to behave like you would for your literal family.
1: Yeah. Which means cleaning up after them in a gender context. Yeah. Cause that's another gendered thing that they need to get the fuck, like get rid of mm-hmm. because who does the main caretaking in the family? So you expect the women of the office to do all the caretaking in the office. Is that what you're saying? Why don't we just, why don't we just become the maids of the damn office? Cause literally that's what women are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't even mm-hmm. get me on this. I'm, I'm, <laughs> <now> I'm <ready. laughs>
0: One last thing we do have our last episode before we break for Christmas and the holidays is going to be a subscription only podcast interview and so make sure you are signed up there will only be a trailer released publicly so if you want to hear this interview you will 100% have to sign up so head to badbitchypodcast.substack.com to become a subscriber this
1: one you guys are not going to want to miss yeah not at all and you know I don't I don't lie y'all know that like i would not let you all we we would not let you down i -hmm. may came more about that than Aaron, just in general personality but
0: (laughs) (laughs) but are you calling me a scammer
1: no i'm just saying (laughs) i'm just saying you you're gonna be like oh it's good so fuck (laughs) them
0: you know what i mean all right, Erica. So, this week in feminism, we're going to talk about the speech from the throne. And in the show notes, we have links to the text version and the video of it, of the Governor General Mary Mae Simon delivering the speech in the House of Commons. Erica, first off, before we get into the substance of it, um, I didn't watch the speech, but I know you did. And I know you had a lot of thoughts about the Governor General and the discourse on Twitter.
1: Okay. So, the Governor General read the speech in three different languages, English, French, and a talk. And let, if were I to build an, an analogy or metaphor, uh, sometimes I get those mixed up, I'm sorry. I would compare this whole speech to like Biggie Small's One More Chance remix video. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Number one. I feel like this speech from the throne was a remix of 2019 with more vocals the the last year the one the speech was like 23 minutes 25 minutes something like that this year it was 32 more vocals you know and so like i also feel like if you think about the whole one more chance we're kind of giving the liberals one more chance there's an east coast west coast thing going on but To me, the governor general's hair, her purple tips with that beautiful silver gray hair, it's thick. And just, it was just so awesome just to see just a little bit of resistance to tradition in that space. In a space that is so resistant to anybody who it's not meant for in other words anybody but white men who owned property by the way so i feel like the governor general in itself was like a highlight and uh it was it was i actually felt that that to me was the most positive part of the whole speech Mm -hmm. um but i really really like the purple tips um I think it was, uh, oh, friend of the pod, doc, Dr. Lindsay Teds is like, I. she was on Twitter. She's like, I think I'm going to do that with my hair. Uh, she may have started a trend and fashion
0: can be joy. I did find it entertaining that the governor general was asked if her purple hair had any sort of significance. And her response was just so good. She said something to the effect of, oh yeah, no, I just was bored with my hair and I wanted to dye it purple. Oh, I love it. I love it. Just kind of like the audacity of you asking me about my fucking hair. Yeah, she's like,
1: like it's the big stage. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's do something different. Mm-hmm. But I, I really just think that, that she just brought a freshness, a, f- a breath of fresh air.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, kind of, it's kind of the same vibe as when you were going into the office and then maybe one day you felt like dressing up a little bit more than usual and everyone was like, oh, why do you look so nice? Do you have a job interview? It's really none of your fucking business why I dressed up today. They
1: hate people who experience joy. And like, honestly, anything that is outside of their very narrow mindset they're afraid of, and they ridicule. I remember wearing color. I used to wear color all the time. I still do. But I used to wear it at work. And this woman turned around and said, oh, you're very colorful.
0: As though it's an insult. Anyways, as you mentioned, Erica, the, the governor general spoke in three languages during the speech. And of course, when she was named governor general, there was... Pushback from Quebec, obviously, the fact that she wasn't bilingual in French. Sorry, wasn't, quote unquote, bilingual. And what they meant was bilingual in the two, quote unquote, official languages of Canada, English and French, where she is bilingual in English and her her native language, Nook You know, of course, she had to learn some French for this speech. And of course, there's always got to be one that is like, um the French needs some work. If she's going to be serving Quebecers, her French needs some work. Are you fucking kidding me? Get the fuck out of here.
1: Does O'Toole's French need work? Because this French needs work. I mean, yeah. So why is, like, my? here's the thing. She learned quite a bit of French in that short time. But this is the thing. Like, Quebec was against her from the beginning. Oh, absolutely. From the beginning.
0: We know why. Mm-hmm. And I think on Twitter I think it was Chris Sully who is not someone that I typically agree with he did point out that if the governor general spoke French and Inuktitut and had to deliver some of this speech in a third language of English that anglophones wouldn't fucking care
1: they wouldn't care no we wouldn't we wouldn't give a fuck
0: be like great job really I'm just I'm just over this whole
1: well it's it's honestly it (sighs) okay In Politico's newsletter,
0: (laughs) Politico really should be...
1: Hi, Nick, from Scarborough. Um, (laughs) Inside inside joke, y'all. Inside joke. Okay, so Politico said, so they talked about the speech from the throne, and they said what hasn't changed. Shortly after Simon read the words, we need to embrace the diversity of Canada and demonstrate respect and understanding for all peoples every day, Conservative Senator Claude Carignan released a statement criticizing her French. Her proficiency in her role is, quote, a slap in the face to all French speaking Canadians, unquote. You know what? First of all, of course, they would have a problem with We need to embrace the diversity of Canada and demonstrate respect and understanding for all peoples because they don't do that shit because they're racists. And so, of course, as usual, people of color, BIPOC people go above and beyond, and it's still not good enough for y'all. Just saying.
0: Really can't win.
1: You really can't win. So this woman spoke three languages. I'm pretty sure it's the first time we heard Inuktitut in the in the house. Isn't that like a good thing?
0: I mean, you would think so, especially in the spirit of reconciliation. And and
1: there was a lot of that speech that was about reconciliation. It started off with reconciliation. There's a big part of reconciliation about how it's a whole of government approach. I mean, considering the government is being sued by Indigenous public servants, that's going to be a joke. But anyway, my point being that it's never going to be good enough for them because she's not one of them and that's how Quebec racism works mm-hmm. she's not pure Len so
0: forget that so the speech from the throne is the official kickoff for the next sitting of parliament and this speech laid out seven different priorities the first being building a healthier today and tomorrow the second growing a more resilient economy three bolder climate action Four, fighting harder for safer communities. Five, standing up for diversity and inclusion. Six, moving faster on the path to reconciliation. And seven, fighting for a secure, just, and equitable world. And so we're going to start off with building a healthier today and tomorrow, which is basically getting the pandemic under control, which given the fact that the World Health Organization just named a new variant of concern, I'm not sure how that's going to go. So good luck. And the government will work collaboratively with provinces, territories, and other partners to deliver real results on what Canadians are going to need. A lot of these things are things that were in the liberal platform, including mandated vaccinations for federal and federally federally regulated workers and everyone traveling within Canada by plane, train, or ship. I was going to say automobile, but that's not what it says. (laughs) And then it also ensures standard proof of, Vaccination within Canada for domestic and international use. And then, of course, securing the next generation of COVID-19 vaccines and boosters and doses for kids from 5 to 11. Check that box off, too.
1: By the way, oh, to be a Pfizer shareholder.
0: And then... Canada will continue working with partners to ensure fair and equitable access to vaccines and resources. Not sure if that's domestically or globally.
1: That That is more the global part. Okay. Uh, they are, because they got some criticism because mm-hmm. they were hoarding vaccines. Mm-hmm. That's something else we need to talk about, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the subsequent mm-hmm. episode, is, is the selfishness of this country and how they've pretty much hoarded vaccines and not distributed enough of them to nations that are really struggling with this
0: yeah that would have prevented additional variants just to be not clear. only
1: that how many of the global north spread that disease or spread this pandemic in the global south mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's another story anyway mm-hmm. i just want to say one thing about these notes though these show notes i kind of pulled out Everything that could be that could end up in a mandate letter or that could end up as a budget measure or that could end up as a policy that's basically what's happening. That's why there's so many ABCs and D's and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. I've linked to each section so it's easier for everybody just to click and just get to that particular section of the speech. Mm -hmm. You're welcome.
0: I actually really love that. So, and then of course, the last bullet here is accessibility. And care in rural communities, delayed procedures, mental health and addiction treatment, long-term care, improved data collection across health systems to inform future decisions in order to improve outcomes. I mean, I guess.
1: I thought we did this. Didn't we do this?
0: The healthcare system and the inability for it to talk to each other across provinces is shocking to me.
1: It can't even talk to each other, period. Yeah. Within the province. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, Mm
1: -hmm. I'm just like, what happened to, remember, didn't they have e-records or e-health or something Mm -hmm. like 10, 12 years ago and they scrapped it? Like, I feel like Ontario was trying to do this, this, this digitizing of health records and they scrapped it somewhere along the line, but it would be useful. I'm just saying it would be useful if we got out of just primarily using taxes. I'm just saying.
0: You know, we're just using MS-DOS for our healthcare system, so.
1: And Excel, apparently, for everything else. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like it's secure. <laughs> I love I love how they're like, it's not secure. I'm like, you're using Excel, okay? Mm-hmm. Everybody's health records are basically in Excel documents. Is that secure?
0: Like, come on. Yeah, I, f- I find, and I was talking to someone about this the other day, is that, these are great priorities, and obviously we'll get into the rest of them, but we're not talking about overlapping Venn diagram of all of these issues. They seem to, the government seems, and maybe it's, it's cleaner and easier this way, and obviously it is, and hopefully the mandate letters really get into that cross-pollination part. Well, they will, because mm-hmm. they have yeah. in the past, but none of these things are really existing in isolation and in silos. They really exists across government and across multiple portfolios, and they require a lot of cooperation between federal departments and agencies, Um, but even like getting the, working with partners to ensure fair and equitable access to vaccines, who's doing that? And, you know, that's a Health Canada thing. That's a global affairs thing. And how do we make sure that BIPOC people are being targeted to get all of these you know, additional healthcare services and treatments and vaccines because they may not be up to speed on Canada's healthcare system or, you know, that type of thing. I just worry that like all of these things sound good on their face, but we, there's, it's so easily easy to forget the disproportionate effects or unintended consequences.
1: Yeah, and the consequences may be unintended, but they sure as hell are foreseeable.
0: Yeah, most I'm most sorry. of the time, it's I, oh, most of the time, all of these things are preventable.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. It just depends on who's listened to. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Who is listened to? Honestly, because I find that there are people around who who can bring it up. If they're not always, but even when there are, they're ignored. Mm -hmm. They are absolutely
0: ignored. Because those additional considerations require extra work or extra time. And it's all about getting those quick wins and delivering rather than reducing negative impacts. Erica, I think think our speech from the throne ramblings have concluded for another session of Parliament. I look forward to revisiting this discussion after the next election or should the government be prorogued? <laughs> so anyway, become a subscriber because you won't want to miss what we have coming up for you right before the holidays. BadBitchyPodcast.substack.com Become a subscriber. We're sending out our newsletter every so often also. So if you, know, you can't afford to become a subscriber, then you can at least get our newsletter and stay in touch with what we've got going on because the announcements for the Twitter spaces and other things will also be in there. So again, same website, badbitchypodcast.substack.com to sign up for that. And on that note, Erica, I will catch you next time.
1: Bye. Bye.